he actually seen his people do what he did by example. Because we're told that David was one that would give for, to the Lord with a willing heart himself. Now, I thought about that and I go, well, that's really neat that he got to see his people do that and they rejoice. And then that's when the Lord ministered to me back there. Because I thought how neat it was for me to sit there and now my kids are grown. They're, they're all grown. Uh, one's 30-something, the other one's 20 30, I think, and then 20, 25. Well, two of them are walking really strong with the Lord from what I see. And it is an actual joy to see something that I don't force them. I have no control over what they do in regards to their finances, but just to know that they're given in that direction. And, and see, that's the neat thing that I could actually understand what David is going through. He's, I mean, he's looking at the people and he's rejoicing because they're giving. And I could see that because... I see my two kids that are giving to the Lord. Now, I don't know their amounts, and it's between them and the Lord, but it doesn't matter what the amount is because I've always told you from the beginning, it's not the amount, it's the condition of the heart. Well, enough said in regards to that. Did you guys notice how fast I finished? But in regards to that, now we'll move on to our teaching. And today I have chosen, it's kind of neat. Well, it's always neat with the Word of God, but... Now, I'll slow down a little bit because I need to give reverence to the Word of God and not, not that I wasn't given reverence before, but I wanted to get to this. Well, here's the thing. I had no idea that I was going to teach today. Uh, I, I didn't until I found out that Pastor was going to have oral surgery and some things coming on, so he asked me. But the, the really neat thing about it is that, is that I actually taught, not this Wednesday, but the previous Wednesday, not the same study because I did go back and change it because I, I just did, didn't feel comfortable doing the same one as I did last Wednesday morning. But the thing was, it is the same thing that I was thinking then that I'm thinking now, is that there's a specific thing in regards to prayer. Now today, it's, it's in regards to prayer. And I'm going to start off by reading uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. So if, if you could turn to there, if you it's probably been up there, so let me get going. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and it says, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior." who desires that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, and I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Therefore, I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, without wrath and doubting. Now, typically, what I would do is normally I would pick a study when pastor asks me to teach here because you could never really systematically teach as a fill-in teacher, at least I, I don't think I can. So what I would do, but there was, it was interesting that in the men's study, pastor needed coverage for about three weeks in a row. 
So back then, I had chosen to go through the first book of Timothy as much as I could get done in regards to it. And the interesting thing is that whenever I do a topical teaching, I always go by what I'm actually, if you will, struggling or having a hard time with or dealing with in regards to the situation. And that's what I'll normally teach on. Because I totally and truly believe that no one... and and this is my personal opinion, conjecture on my part, no one can give anything to anyone else unless they first receive, receive it from God. And the only way they're going to receive it is through the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I feel really strongly in regards to that. So I had been dealing with a few things, well, not a few things, one thing in particular, and that is prayer. Now, let me explain, if you will, not that I don't want to pray. No, be, because I do. I do want to pray. And, and because I have found myself even praying more during this time that I was struggling with prayer. Now, how do I explain? I guess the best way for me to explain this to you is as, as we go through, you'll see it. This is, this is a time that I'm going to share the journey that I went through in regards to prayer in the last few weeks. By no means am I telling any one of you not to pray. Or I'm telling you to change the way you pray. I'm not going to tell you how to pray. I'm going to share with you what God has done in my life in regards to prayer. Because the Bible commands us to pray. We are to pray at all times. Here, I'll start off with this. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it states, Now it came to pass... As he was praying, speaking of Jesus, in a certain place, when he ceased that, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he, Jesus said to them, when you pray. He didn't say, if you pray, or maybe if you pray. No, he said, when you you pray. And who is he saying it to? He's saying it to his disciples. He's saying it to the ones who have made the decision to follow him. The ones who have made the decision to surrender their hearts and follow him. So, so that's the first key that I found for myself. It's, there's no question. You have to pray. Well, what I want to say is, I know that God answers prayer. Okay, or else... Why would we pray? Why would we pray? However, God does not change his mind. It, he doesn't. He does not change his mind. And here's the interesting thing, is that in Numbers chapter 29, I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. And that word could also be used as change. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? You can count on what God has told you. What God has stated in his word is fact. If he says he's going to do something, then he's going to do it. Now, this is a... 
a little thing that you could say that you heard from somebody or you can say, oh, wow, Sal actually said something I never heard before. Well, that's not true because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So I heard it from somebody else. God answers all prayers. Yes, no, or the one that I hate to hear, wait. That's the hardest one for me. Now, in regards to who is God and why In Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord. I do not change. See, that's the dilemma. That's the dilemma that I've been struggling with. So, can I pray hard enough, long enough, to change God's mind? Well, the answer is plain and simple. No. That's all there is to it. End of study. You can go home right now. No, I'm just kidding in regards to going home. We haven't even touched the beginning of what's going to happen here. No, we cannot do that. So then my question to myself, now remember, this is a journey that I went through. This is not something that even though I'll say you or I mean me. So just, just take that right now. So why do we pray? Why do we need to pray? Some will say, I honestly, I could tell you that I've actually thought of that myself. Why should I? That is what we are going to look at today. Now, first of all, before we get started, there are some things that you must know. I've already explained to you is that this is my personal journey in regards to what I was going through. This study is not how to pray, okay? However, it can be if you choose to use it. You can. If what you learn here, you can take from here and use it, by all means, go ahead. It's not something, oh, don't use it. Only Chemo uses that way. No, Whatever, whatever the Lord tells you. It is always good to look at Jesus in regards to anything. And that's what I want. So I want to I look at Jesus and see, I know that the Bible, and we're going to go, I can't even go through, I'll say a quarter of the scriptures in regards to Jesus and prayer. Because he can't, you can't. I, we would run out of time as it is. Okay, I can see that one, but I can't see that one. Um, we run out of time before I even get warmed up. Now, here's the thing. Luke, I'm going to go really fast, so if you, if you want to check me on this, that's fine. I really encourage you. Get the CD, look at it on YouTube, Facebook, check it out, or just jot it down because I'm going to go as fast as I can and as quickly and probably as, as I don't know, how I was going to say legibly, but you can't read my writing anyway, so it doesn't matter, that you could understand. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized And while he, speaking of Jesus, was praying, heaven opened. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there all alone. Mark chapter 6, verse 46. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountains to pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night 
praying to God. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This, this is, I'm, a, I'm an early person. I'm an early riser, okay? I love doing, I love eating real early. I love going and exercising when I do. Not that I do it every day, but when I do, I like doing it early in the morning. Here, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. The last one I'm going to say, and trust me, there's so many more that I just chose not to even get started with and go. There's two pages here that I won't even touch, but I just have them just in case someone asks for them. It says, John chapter 14, verse 16, it says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. So here's the thing. We have a picture here of Jesus going off by himself to pray, praying early in the morning, praying all night long, praying for us, praying for the future. We have just so many different things, so many different times that Jesus just stopped everything and prayed. Now, so then I say, well, Jesus is God Almighty. There's no question about that in my mind, okay? And here's the thing that for a person like me thinks, okay, if he's God Almighty, if he's the creator of the universe, he is the savior of the world, why does he need to pray? Why does he need to pray? He, al- he alone knows everything. Okay? Yes, I can use him as an example. However, it's hard for me to even ex- try to explain anything in regards to him. The Bible tells me that our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Yet, he is God Almighty and he prayed constantly. Well, I will try to answer why he prayed, but I can't. I can't. Honestly, I cannot tell you. I can give you an idea, which I will in regards when we look at it on a third person side in regards to me. But what I want to look at is I want to look at Paul now. I want to look at Paul the Apostle. Okay, now what I could find, now I'm sure that somebody else here or whoever's in Facebook or YouTube and they go back later and they research it, their numbers will probably be different than mine. I cannot tell you that this is an exhausted every single time. But what I counted was 42 times, not counting Acts, but I counted 42 times that Paul the Apostle prayed. And what I wanted to look at those times is I went back and I looked at each individual time, and I wanted to see when he actually prayed for himself only. Not when he was praying for the church. Not when he was praying for somebody else. But when he said something for himself. Now, I know someone's going to say, well, in Acts he did this and that. Yes, I know that in Acts. But I'm not counting Acts. I'm counting the times that he, well, that he wrote in the other times. Okay? I didn't, I didn't go to Peter, First and Second Peter, or, uh, or anything to see if he had written it. I just did what Paul had written. Now, 
Here's the neat thing. The first thing that I found is the first time I found him praying as a believer. And I found that in Acts chapter 9, verse 11. And you're saying, oh, Sal, you just told us that you didn't go to Acts. Well, but I'm the one doing the study, so I can cheat a little bit, okay? Okay, so I'm going to use Acts for the first one, but that's not one of the five that I counted. But anyways, the first time that he ever prayed was Acts chapter 9, verse 11 says, So the Lord said to him, and this is Ananias, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Now, here's the interesting thing that I found. What I found is that this is the first place that I found the Apostle Paul praying as a believer. Okay? Now, what, didn't he pray before? Yes, I guarantee you, being a Pharisee of Pharisees, being from the tribe of Benjamin, being one of the 72 in the council, being all those things, he must have been a serious, religious, typical guy who prayed. But the interesting thing is, this is conjecture on my part, this is the first time he prayed knowing who he was praying to actually. Where before he had a concept. He had an understanding. He had an intellectual knowledge of Yahweh, of Jehovah. But he did not know personally Jesus Christ and him crucified until then. And that's the neat thing that I see. Here we have a man who probably spent his entire life training to be a Pharisee, praying all the time, yet each and every one of those prayers, this is what I think, not somebody else, didn't reach the ceiling or could say that didn't worth anything. Now, I'm not saying they weren't, but just in my opinion, because he wasn't praying to the real God, even though he had a concept of who Jehovah was. But then I also have to understand that he was being obedient to what he knew. And all that prior to this time, like Pastor says, that his religious practice before was good training for what he is now. So for the Apostle Paul, I believe it's the same thing. Everything that he did was, was what we would call in Spanish, doctrina, or Preparation for doctrinal issues. So that's, that's pretty good. Yet, here is the last time he prayed, according to the Word of God, or from what I found. And I found that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22. And Paul writes, and he says in his prayer, The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Now between these, I found another five. Between these two. Two, let's just call those the bookends. I found five, five other ones. And let me just go over them as quickly as I can, and then I'll, I'll bring up the points that I found, and, and hopefully it makes sense to you because it makes sense to me. Ephesians chapter 6, they're in no particular order. I just, this is just the way as I found them, I, I put them down. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. Supplications for all the saints 
and for me. That's the key. That's what brings it to make it a personal prayer. That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, he's included in the us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. For what thanks can be rendered to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it was with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. The last one, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Now, this is the interesting that I found, the thing that I found, that out of those five, two of them were prayers in requesting the ability to preach the gospel, to have boldness and to have the utterance. One was to see their face. Okay? One was to be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Okay, so I give him that. That's, that's one for his own personal comfort, all right? And one was to be filled with joy. Now, we can see that Paul really did not pray for himself. If I came up with 42, I guarantee you that you guys probably come up with more. If I came up with five, you guys may come up with six or seven. So there's, it's not a matter of, did I get it right? But did I get a picture of who Paul is as a man of prayer? And that's the thing that I see. Because the interesting thing is, if I take that percentage-wise, in reality, he doesn't think of himself. He thinks of others. So that's the first thing I just want to throw, bombard you with, is that if we look at Jesus, it's, it's hard, because he is, he is God in the flesh. He prays. He prays like nobody else, honestly, from what I can see in the Scriptures. Now, there may be somebody who's dedicated their life to prayer, which I don't know of, but I'm going by what I see in the Scriptures. Then we look at Paul. But see, here's the thing. As I see for the most part, there are conversations with God. All his prayers 
our conversations with God. And see, that's what I like. I like that in my past religiosity, if you will, or my past practices, it was all memorization. I had to memorize things. It was structured things that I had to learn in order to be able to repeat. And see, here's the thing. I did learn those things. I mean, I could sit here and I honestly, I, I could do the Hail Mary. I, I can do the Our Father. I can actually do the act of contrition. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered and died, and punched, bound, descended into hell, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father. He will come against you, just have been to death. Now, I probably messed up a little bit, but you get the picture. Did it mean anything to me back then? No, I just didn't want to get yelled at by the nuns. It didn't mean anything to me. I knew that my mom was on me until I memorized these things. Did it do any good to me? No. It, it was all about how many times can I repeat it, the amount of times that I, it, it took in order to memorize it. So the thing is, the more discomfort in regards to doing it, the better. Now, where did that get me? Now, it was all about me back then. It was what I learned, how many times I could do it, and actually, not I don't want to brag, but I was really fast at saying them. Now, right now, I'm out of practice. So can you imagine, I would get that little golden star at the Catholic Church. Did it do me any good? I don't even know where that little paper is anymore. So I can't even show it to anybody. But see, that is, from a child's view, what I can remember. But let me give you an example of what I seen from, from adults, the example from adults. Now, my mother and father made a promise, a vow, if you will, that if my sister lived through an open-heart surgery when she was an infant, that they would go to Mexico City, and I think Frank's over there now, and he's probably checking it out, but it, I can't remember, but I think it's the Lady of Guadalupe, and it's in the, in, right there by the Socolo in, in the main cathedral. And I don't remember exactly, but I think from the street all the way to the altar, maybe a quarter mile, maybe a little bit more. And I remember them doing it on their knees from the curb all the way to the altar. And I remember, because I would get up and I'd run around and I'd come back and I'd tell her I'm hungry. You know, because I think I was five, four years old. And I remember that finally their legs would start bleeding, their, ankle, their, their knees, and, and I would see other people who were just in bad shape like they were. What, did it, what good did it do them? I, I don't know. I honestly cannot tell you. So the question is, now we're going to look at my example. We've, we've looked at Oh, Lord, time's going by really fast. We've looked at the Lord. We looked at Paul. But I'm going to share with you my journey and the reasons why I pray. Well, the first answer that I can honestly give you that comes from the bottom of my heart is that I really don't know why I pray. But there's a certain things that I know that I must do. And number one is I need to be obedient to the Word of God. I need to be obedient. You know, 
The Bible specifically tells me in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, it says, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all prayer. Oh, I can't pronounce this word, but it's a big long one with a P. Perseverance, there we go, perseverance and supplications for all the saints. I am told that I'm supposed to pray. And see, here's the neat thing about it, is that I love how it, I, the Lord showed me this specific verse. It says to take up the helmet of salvation. Well, salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. Salvation can only come by learning the word of God, hearing the gospel, if you will. So if you do that, and it says right there, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, obedience, that's, that's real easy. Just be obedient. Be obedient. If you don't pray for no other reason other than to be obedient to God, you're already one step in the right direction. And let me tell you, that is probably the hardest one, to be obedient, because there is so many things that will come in your way, if you will, that will interrupt you from taking that time to pray. And see, that's the thing that with my past religiosity, I was told that I could only pray certain ways. Well, that's not true. You can pray any time and all the time. And see, that's the thing. Remember how I said that I actually found myself praying even more as I was preparing for the study for, the, for two Wednesdays ago? I did. I found myself that as I was going in the shower, turning the water on, and I was waiting for it to get hot, I'm already thinking, well, Lord, why, why do I do this? Why do I? And then I'm thinking, I'm not questioning God. I'm actually having a conversation with God. I'm actually communicating with my Father in heaven who that's what he desires. And here's the next one, which leads me to the next one. The next one is, is to fellowship with the Father. Now, I found a good scripture for me personally in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8. It says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Now, Here's the thing. Prior to coming to Jesus Christ, prior to being born again, I was wicked. Okay, Lord, if I was wicked prior to coming to you, does that mean my mom and dad were wicked when they were kneeling across that Sahara desert? Now, I know I'm just kidding, but the, the thing, the, cord, the three miles in the snow, it wasn't snowing, but was it? it, it, it well, your word says, Lord, the sacrifices of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayers of the upright is his delight. Is his delight. He delights to hear from us. And see, I also, <laughs> you probably think, man, you do a lot of things. Well, I, I'm, I'm blessed with the opportunity, but I also do marriage counseling and premarital counseling. And one of the things that I tell people when they come in and they sit with me and we go through it, the first thing is that I don't want to talk about them as a couple. The first thing that I want to talk about to them is about them as a relationship with God. And I ask them right away, do you believe in God? And 
for the most part, I would say that 99% of the people that come in for counseling, they are saved. Just They may have different levels of maturity, but we're not talking about that. But what I want to do is, is in order to know who I'm talking to, they have to have communication with me. Because if they don't tell me anything, I'm not going to know anything. Well, there's an exception there. God knows everything already, but yet he delights to hear from us. So in these couples, and as I talked to him, I said, isn't it great that the more you communicate, the better understanding you have with each other? And they go, oh, yeah, because when they're first coming in for premarital, oh, they want to tell me that everything is so good. But see, I kind of trick them a little bit because I don't know if you guys can tell, but I can see outside depending on what time of the day. So I actually let them sit out in the parking lot for a little while, and I watch them for a couple of minutes. I watch and see how they act with each other before I open that door. I see if he goes and he opens, he runs to open that door for her. Or if he's smiling, you know, just how is she reacting to his behavior? Then all of a sudden, as soon as I open that door, oh, they're all smiles. Everything changes. But you know the neat thing is that I make sure they know what I'm doing. So that the following week, I want to see how they behave. And let me tell you, he does. He runs around the car. He goes because he thinks that I'm watching him. Well, let me tell you something. God is watching each and every one of us at all times. So we can't fake him out. You can fake Chemo out. You can fake everybody out, but you can't fake God out. He delights to hear from you. He desires to have fellowship with you. And the only way, look, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that in times past, God would talk to his people through prophets, dreams, and visions. But now he communicates through his son, which is the gospel and the written word. So we hear from God through the written word, But he needs to hear from us because he delights in hearing from us. And the only way he's going to hear from us is we have a willing heart to give him our time in prayer. So how does that fall into obedience? It falls perfectly into obedience. It is a sweet fellowship. How sweet it is when you first met that loved one. And the time that you spent, you wanted to pour your heart out to her or him. Well, why not God? Why not God? Well, I don't know. That's an answer. Well, that was my answer for, you know, for me by myself. Because, of course, this is not about you or anybody on Facebook. It's about my journey. Continuing. To change my heart towards God. That's a very good reason. Now, see, with me, if that's all I do, that that's good enough for me. Because that is the most important thing for me, to change my heart towards God. Jeremiah 24, 7 tells us, Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that he who is in Christ is a new creation. Well, the newness starts with the heart because that's the thing that has to be surrendered to God in order for him to do the work that he wants to do in us. I love what Pastor Mike says. Pastor Mike says, if you change your mind, God will change your heart. 
Surrender your heart to God that he may do the changes that he wants to do, that he may have the sweet fellowship with you, but it only comes through what? Obedience. And here's a neat one, is that I find that it brings me peace. When I pray, it brings me peace. Now, God is such an awesome and mighty God. And I have to share this with you guys. I shared it with the men on two Wednesdays ago. We have a friend. Well, some of you guys know that, not me, but Pastor Mike's addicted to golf. But I happen to be there every time he plays too. But I'm not addicted, only he is. Okay? And this is how I know that he is because I see him playing every time I'm there. He's there too. Okay, but anyways, we have a friend. And and you know what? We actually love this man. His name is... Uh, His name is Yo, and his last name is Ikuda. It's Yoichi Ikuda. He is actually Japanese from Japan, and he claims to be a practicing Buddhist. His father was a Buddhist priest. He knows, and he hangs out with us, okay? He he comes 50-some-odd miles just to come out and hang out with us, okay? He goes to breakfast with us, okay? And you know what? He knows that we're going to pray. He knows that we're going to do things different. He knows that when we go and eat, before we touch our food, you know, he just knows that. And we've been playing together since roughly about 2007, maybe 2009, somewhere along the line. As soon as he retired, he started. Here's the thing. One day, it was just him and I. Him and I. We were the only ones. I don't know where everybody else was. And he goes, he goes, hurry up and pray, Sal. And I, I go, I was going to pray quietly to myself. So I did. I prayed, and we continued. Later that morning when I, was, when I was having breakfast with him, after we prayed and everything, I said, yo, why did you tell me to go ahead and pray? And he goes, because goes, I know it brings you peace. I go, whoa. I, I had never thought of that even though I'm going to give you the perfect scripture for that, but I had never really considered that. It took the Lord using a Buddhist to remind me that he brings me peace as I pray with him. And my scripture is, of course, and probably you guys have already guessed it, is, is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and, it's, and 7, and it says, Be anxious for nothing, but with but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. Thanks, yo. I never thought of that. And in truth, I knew it, but I didn't grab it or possess it or take hold of it, if you will. So let me remind you, when you pray, it does. It settles your heart. It brings you peace. Now, there's one that I, that I didn't write down, but it's just heavy on my mind. And I'm just going to real quickly... No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because it, I need to stick with this because I'm going to lose track of my time. Okay. And the last one that I have is, is uh, number five, is the renewing of my mind. Prayer brings a renewing of my mind. 
Now, I found, I found that scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, what, ah, what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, let me explain to you why it's so important for me. It is so important for me because prior to coming to the Lord Jesus, I had spent a life of thinking that I was okay. That I was all right. That I was better than all the other guys who needed Jesus. And see, that is the really scary thing. That when you think you're better than someone else because you don't do what everybody else does. I am constantly reminded of how wicked my heart truly is. And you know why? Because for 25 years prior to coming to the Lord, I would, all the battles, everything that I would take in, I would take in with my eyes, with my ears, the things that I would do. In my book, they were okay. They're not as bad as everything. Oh, I, I go to the Catholic Church every Sunday. I go to confession on Saturday. I may lie to the priest, but how does he know if I'm lying to him? But I went. My mother said that I had to go. She didn't say that I had to tell him everything. And yet, once coming to the Lord, I recognized who he was. And the thing was, is over the years, I'm beginning to see how bad I truly am. Now, I like the Apostle Paul. And in the beginning of his ministry, when he was defending himself, he would call himself an apostle. In the middle of his ministry, he called himself one of the saints. At the end of his ministry, he said he was the chief of sinners. Now, the reason why I like that so much is that over the years, over the years, I've seen people who get to certain positions, if you will, even though there's no positions in Christ, we're all the same, but they think they've acquired something or they think they've achieved something or they think they've come to a higher level. If I look at the word of God and I use the example that Paul gives me in the way he writes, I've seen that he kept lowering himself, not elevating himself. So because of that, I, I'm not saying I model myself behind that, but that brings me to a recognition of how terrible I truly am. But it's because of Christ that I have the ability to be here right now because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I look at and I think of, I could tell you, that even this afternoon, this, this afternoon, my, I, my wife, she says, I, I told her, I'm nervous. She says, why are you nervous? She said, you don't get nervous. I, and I said, I'm terrified. You know, maybe I didn't say the word terrified, but I, I am terrified. I was literally praying, Lord, heal Pastor Mike miraculously right now so that he can make sure he can come out here on Thursday night and I don't have to teach. Because I figured I'm safe with the men on Wednesday morning because 
I'll argue with them, even though I, and I'm guilty of that. I argued with one of the guys while I was teaching, and I, I apologize for that. But, but they're a bunch of guys. As long as we fill up their stomach before they go into the teaching, they're happy. But I can't say that with you guys. I can't say that with the Facebook people, with the YouTube people who are going to listen to this later. The thing that I'm trying to say is that the renewing of our minds is so important. You must know the Word of God so that you can recognize and see the person that you used to be and the person that you are now becoming through the Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are washed by the blood. And yes, it is great to say that I'm not who I used to be, but my mind keeps going back to that. And that's where the battles are. The battles are in the mind. People have outward sins, and and those you cannot hide. But you know what? The ones that we have internally that no one sees, in my book, my opinion, those are worse than the external sins that people see. Why? Because we hide them. We cannot hide them from the living God. Yet, He can renew our mind. And that's what I love. And I... I remember that I made a commitment to the Lord a long time ago that I would renew my mind by the washing of the Word. And that's how important it is to me. And I recognize and see how important obedience, fellowship, and the renewing of my mind through prayer by using the Word of God. Now, after all of that, after going through all that stress in regards to, well, I know I can't change God's mind, so if I pray hard enough, I already know the outcome, then I could basically say, well, you know, why pray? Well, for me, it's important to pray. For me, it's extremely important. The one thing that I do want to leave with each and every one of you is, as I'm beginning to now wrap things up is this. By no means am I trying to change you from praying the way you are. If you pray to the Lord, and and that's the sweet fellowship that you have, continue. But if you're anything like me that makes excuses, that doesn't recognize when the Lord is tugging on your heart, but see, that's the thing. If you know he's tugging on your heart, then you do recognize. But you're not being obedient. So, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he said prayer was so important. But in in reviewing everything that he prayed about, the number one thing that he was always doing was giving thanks. He was constantly giving thanksgiving to God. And see, that's the one thing that I truly want to model my prayer life is being thankful everything that he has given me first and foremost that he puts up with me i even thought about this this morning i was meditating this morning if i was god i wouldn't put up with me i would have got rid of me a long time ago i'm sure there's somebody better he can use but see that's the thing that's the thing that i found and i find it in psalm 51 Now, I don't have any notes on this, but it's just so heavy on my heart. Psalm 51. David, after being confronted by the prophet, 
he cries out and says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. It all starts right there. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ and a recognition of that the salvation belongs to him and he has given it to you. He talks about the mercies, the long-suffering. He talks about being cleansed. He talks about the transgressions, the iniquities and the sins. But it all comes down to one thing. He cries out and says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Now, I would remiss if I don't tell you this. And in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it states, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. Now, I'd love to be able to have time and to develop chapter 15 where Jesus is praying and how he says that anything that you ask, the Father will give. But the key is, he gives them a new commandment. And the commandment is to love one another as he has loved them. Here we're told in 1 John that God, if we pray according to his will, he's going to give us that. And see, that's what I recognize. That if I follow, now I'm not saying I'm giving you a format, I'm just telling you and sharing with you the journey that I can. If I follow what I preach, if you will, my heart changes, my prayer life changes, my mind changes, my requests are different. They're not for me personally. They're for others first and foremost. And they're for the word of God to go forth from my mouth in regards to his great salvation that brings this wonderful joy. Then all of a sudden, I'm not praying for things that are not according to his will, which if I don't get them, I'm going to be disappointed. Because I'm not going to change God's mind. R.C., I'll see if I say this right, R.C. Sproul's wrote, all that God does is for his glory first and for our benefit second. We pray because God commands us to pray because it glorifies him and because it benefits us. John Corson, now, John Corson is more at my level, if you will. R.C. Sproul's is, is, yeah, anyways. But he, John Corson's wrote, whatever happens, I know I played my part. I opened the door, and since the Father knows best, I can rest. The Spirit groans through me. The Son intercedes for me, and the Father will do what's right concerning me. But if I don't pray, I'll always wonder if things would have been different if I had. Let's pray. 
Father, we come before you right now, and Lord, I find myself praying once again, Lord, and I I just want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you that you would use a guy like me, and, and you would allow me to come up here and just to share with your people, Lord. Father, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we would just love you more. Lord, that we would just recognize who you are, and Lord, recognize what you've done for us. So, Father, we pray and we ask in Jesus' name that you would just be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys?